Well, good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRN Sunday for Sunday, January 14th, 2024. We've got another great show for you this week. We've got the Legal Eagles, David Levine and Kevin Walsh standing by. And then we're going to take a look back at a recent program featuring DeCalta discussing alternative investments, that's private equity, hedge funds, and a lot more in defined contribution plans. There's a lot of progress that's been made. So sit back, relax, enjoy this episode of BRN Sunday. We're going to kick off the show, as we always do, with a look at what's happening on Capitol Hill. Joining us on the line, you know them as the Legal Eagles. They're also known to friends, family, and colleagues as David Levine, Kevin Walsh, both are principals with Groom Law Group. And for those that are new to the program, that's an employee benefits law firm based in Washington, D.C. Eagles, thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Jeff, hello. I love you. Won't you tell me your name? Oh, thank you. That's the that's the doors, right? I believe that is, yes. Yeah, I think we're dating ourselves there, uh, David. Um, I'm not sure many people, maybe older people know about The Doors. They're a great band. Um, well, well, Jeff, I'll just say, oops, I did it again. Is that better? Okay, there you go. That's that's better for some of our younger I mean, even, younger fans. Even go ahead, that's Kevin. a 20-year-old reference, David. Even that's a 20-year-old reference. Oh, well, uh, uh, fine, you know, it's, not, fine, it's, not, it's not not dating you. Kevin, shake it off. There you and, go. You know, that's a good one. Are, are, you, go. are you happy? You know, I'm going to take you through the Eras tour if you really want, but I think we got more to do here. Okay. Uh, with that being Perfect. said, Kevin, I want to come to you because the fiduciary rule train continues to run down the tracks. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is like the Eras tour where, you know, you're doing greatest <laughs> hits from uh, a whole vintage of albums. Uh, the DOL is back doing their fiduciary tour, uh, following up on their 2010, 2012, 2015, 2016, 2020, and now 2023. <laughs> Uh, Kevin, I need to jump, I need to jump in. I need to jump in. Are you saying DOL's back is like Backstreet? They're back, all right. They're back. They're back. And and so as as folks know, you know they released a new proposal last fall. And you know when people you know release new material, it tends to really rile up the the, the audience. Um, and as part of that, uh, they had a comment period that closed January second. And now the the Congress is getting involved. Um, there's been a lot of talk about whether Congress is going to you know. Tell DOL to stop with this, whether DOL is going to allow them to finish it, um, whether DOL, whether Congress is going to get involved in the rulemaking. Um, and up until now, we've seen letters where, you know, we've seen a number of letters sent to the Labor Department, including letters signed by 15 Democrats now uh, that have said to DOL, you know, hey, you might want to slow down on this, this, uh, this fiduciary rulemaking to continue the musical theme. Uh, it's not yet ready for a release. Um, so, you know, we're going to monitor that. But kind of the more significant action was this past week on Capitol Hill, the House Financial Services Committee held a hearing on DOL's fiduciary rulemaking, uh, where they invited, you know, a handful of people to testify. And, you know, Republicans were pretty uniformly in opposition to the rulemaking. Uh, and Democrats were offering, comp, um, generally offering support for the package. Uh, no one was saying the package is perfect, which was interesting. Um, but we're going to have to monitor this as it goes forward. Financial services went first. We would expect um, the Senate Health Education, the House, the House Education and Workforce Committee to have a hearing in the next few weeks. Um, but, you know, Congress is only beginning to get into the fund and we've got a spending bill that's got to be passed in the next three weeks. So uh, there could be a lot of action between here and February. 
Uh, well, thanks for that, Kevin. And David, I want to come to you. I mean, Kevin brought up the fiduciary rule train continuing in the Financial Services Committee. Obviously, that continues. Maybe some opposition, maybe some support from the industry, outside the industry. What's top of mind for you, David? Because there's a lot going on. I know there's a renomination of Julie Sue for Department of Labor. Um, uh, what is that? The uh, not the uh, Why can't I get it out? The uh, Secretary of Labor, excuse me. But what's top of mind for yes. you? Top of mind, well, obviously, Kevin's spot on, uh, as always. And, you know, we have we are dealing with Julie Sue's renomination. Uh, for me, there's also some, I'll call it on the ground stuff that's going on. January 2024, January 1, 2024, led to a number of the Secure 2.0 provisions and even Secure 1.0 provisions going live. So sort of in a nuts and bolts portion of the world, we're dealing with things like student loan matching. People are still figuring that out pension-linked emergency savings account. In fact, they're the regulate, the IRS is supposedly going to be coming out with some guidance on that soon, and we're looking forward to seeing it. But the, but the top of mind right now is definitely, for a lot of people, um, long-term part-time employees is number one. We're seeing a lot of discussion still about how does this work because the IRS gave us guidance late last year. At the same time, there's a lot of questions, a lot of concerns in certain areas, like, for instance, governmental plans have some serious concerns, and have been are hopeful that they might get a carve out at some point, I think is a valid question because governmental entities and defined contribution plans are very different. Plus, we also have the fact that the, the folks on the Hill who worked really hard in the last year after Secure 2.0, which has been exhausting process to come up with like technicals and enhancements and clarifications, depending on how you want to define it, Secure 2.0, and they put out a discussion draft. And we're seeing people starting to comment and engage the regulators on that. What, rather than spend a lot of time, because I know we're already pretty far into our segment, I think one thing I would highlight for our listeners this week is whether you're a service provider, whether you're an intermediary like an advisor or consultant, or whether you're a sponsor, if there are things that are bothering you, the staff on the Hill is really wonderful that they really want to engage. And if there are things, whether it's through your lawyers, your trades, whatever it is, it's good to engage right now because the folks on the Hill are open and listening. And as Kevin and I can both tell you, the way to actually have things get into the legislative process is when it's early or even just they're asking, dive in. So if there's things of concern, this is a chance. Normally, we don't tell sponsors you must rush in because a lot of times others sort of lift that ball and you have limited resources. This can be a good time to make sure your voice is heard. So that's a positive thing to say there. Yeah, look, I think there's a lot of questions, open-ended questions for 2024. You guys already talked about fiduciary rule. Secure 2.0, that is that is a big, big topic, some of those technical, correct, technical corrections. And even though we had some provisions be um, eligible or start on effective, I should say, as the right date on January 1st, there's a lot more coming down the pike. Gentlemen, we're going to have to leave it there. Always great to talk to the legal eagles. I hope you have a safe uh, and enjoyable weekend. We'll talk to you guys again next week. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, listeners. listeners. Bye, eagles. Bye, everybody. Imagine a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future.
This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Welcome back. This past week, I sat down with the folks at the Defined Contribution Alternatives Association, better known as Dakota, to learn more about how alternatives have impacted defined contribution retirement plan outcomes. Let's revisit that program and give it a listen. Welcome back. We're now joined by Sheridan Porter of FEV Analytics and Clint Carey, founder of Carey Solutions. Clint, Sheridan, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Well, Sheridan, Clint, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Pleasure. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's great to continue the conversation. And and we really appreciate John and Avi kind of laying the groundwork about Alston, D.C., uh, and the work that the cult is doing. And Sheridan, I want to come to you because research, we're going to get into that more with Clint, but there's been some recent research done by DeCalta about a liquidity framework for including alternatives in DC. Can you just share some of the high points about that and what that looks like? Yeah, happy to. So the liquidity re- research that we conducted, again, we did, had a large committee uh, of contributing members of DeCalta to to the research. Um, so we had at the beginning a, cover a wide a wide scope, if you like, of um, points of view and main issues. The point that we tried to address here is that when we survey the industry, there are two main operational concerns in bringing alternatives into a 401k plan or a daily traded environment, and that is daily valuation and the second is liquidity. Um, So we have developed and put out a paper on daily valuation, which was quite technical in its focus. And this one really focuses on uh, helping, uh, providing a framework that helps uh, plan sponsors parameterize uh, liquidity with with risk at its centre. And the unique thing about this paper is that we didn't talk about risk in the usual kind of uh, quantitative uh, manner that you see many papers out there. We talked about it in terms of a an algorithm really, a telescoping process that takes the plan sponsor, walks through all the parameters of risk um, and allows them to determine what their risk appetite is and how that may shape then the decisions that they make uh, regarding liquidity. And uh, if they have conviction around the uh, benefits of including alts into their portfolio or into their uh, product offering, then this helps them, this style of uh, framework that we've produced will help them maximize 
their risk appetite and therefore maximize the potential benefits of including them in their portfolio. And Clint, I want to come to you because, uh, you know, in reading the liquidity framework paper and, and hearing Sheridan speak, I feel like most of the main, and over the last nine years of, of DeCalta and other groups kind of adv- advocating and working through this, I feel like a lot of these main hurdles have been overcome. And, and I wonder, is it just more about education and, and you know, continuing to develop the white papers, con- continuing to educate plan sponsors, consultants, advisors, maybe that don't have a lot of experience or expertise around alts and, and some of the challenges that previously existed? Yeah, I think I think that's right. I, you know, certainly the industry over the last few years has created kind of an overall ecosystem for alternative investments in DC plans that really have overcome some of those core operational constraints that may have existed in the past through technologies and just the the new products that have become available in the marketplace. And to, so, to answer your question directly. Yes, I think building awareness across industry stakeholders becomes quite important as it relates to sort of advancing the opportunity to include the value of what alternative investments can deliver uh, for participants. Now, one of the things that we see with illiquid investments is there is an illiquidity premium um, but in a daily traded environment, you know, how do you put those those two things together? And we really think that the framework uh, that, that Sheridan mentioned really enables plan sponsors to get there. Now, what it, what it also says is it's very configurable, meaning each plan sponsor can take their own approach. Um, and, and the industry has created this continuum of opportunity sets to take advantage of this illiquidity opportunity. So some approaches are more plug and play. Think of it as um, each investment manager is bringing their own liquidity buffer or process uh, to the portfolio, where other plans might hire expert allocators, either internally in their investment team or through an outsourcing arrangement, to develop a more customized solution for their plan and to enable those illiquid assets to come in. Now, you know, the investment managers over the last few years have really created this very competitive marketplace uh, for these solutions, both in off-the-shelf target date solutions, as well as what we see is um, actually a fair amount of penetration into the custom uh, target date uh, approach. One of the other things that we found in, in looking at this is one of the myths that is out there is that perhaps, you know, participants will trade their money very quickly and you know, how do you manage liquidity when participants are moving all their money around? Well, in fact, when you look at the behaviors of planned participants um, in every year, including for the last 25 years, including those very stressful years, you can imagine the financial crisis, the, well, the dot-com crisis before that, and, and even the most recent pandemic changes or challenges, what, what we found is that planned participants stay the course. They have a lot of confidence in their target date solutions. And so the, the, this fear of a participant-driven liquidity event just, just does not exist. Um, and so what, we've, what, we're, what we're trying to do going forward with this bringing awareness campaign is to then start to dive in a little bit more into various topics around alternative investments to help plan sponsors get comfortable with perhaps private real estate, a, a paper we just put out, 
um, private equity or private credit, as Avi mentioned earlier, or just other alternative or liquid illiquid alternative investments. Uh, easy for me to say uh, yeah. into their DC. <laughs> As you were kind of talking about behavior, I'm thinking about some of the work that Shlomo Benarsi did. And actually, that inertia is pretty powerful. A lot of people want that set it and forget it. They're not going into their 401k accounts on a daily basis um, at all. Sherrod, I want to come back to you because um, I want to ask you about how the research that was done on the liquidity framework intersects with the valuation paper that, if you remember back to 2020, Decolta released. Yeah, great question. Uh, like I said, the the they really the pair of papers do address to two large uh, operational, foremost operational concerns that people have, um, and the daily valuation paper was really uh, a how to. It was very technical in its focus, um, and so what it did was bring a consensus uh, that 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 allowed people to move forward. Like how do, how can we do this? That's acceptable. Where does the herd, if you like, sit? and it allowed people to understand how to do that without being terribly prescriptive, mind you. There is still a fair amount. You can think of the daily valuation as a platform or the paper as providing a platform for people to um, start and then tailor or customize their own approach if they if they so desire. Um, now with liquidity, obviously uh, the, two, the two operational um, procedures are closely intertwined. You can't manage liquidity very well if your valuation is not uh, nailed down and understood in all kinds of markets. Um, and so there, the papers are linked in that way too. And we do bring a position about that in the paper. Um, so <clears throat> we do encourage people to read both papers because they are addressing um, a continuum of issues, of operational issues uh, for plan sponsors. Yeah. And, and Clint, I just want to come back to something you, you talked about and, and Sheridan talked about it. Even John talked about it. I mean, this is an ongoing body of research. And I think you all have been, Clint, you've all been very open at Decolta about accepting feedback. And, and, and as part of this education process, uh, you have to be open to input from outside. And I, I, I would just ask you, are, how open people can just send, uh, if they need some additional information and additional education, they can reach out to you all at Decolta to get to at least begin to formulate that. Yeah, that, that's right. I think decolta.org is the right place to go to get uh, the information. What I what I'd suggest is this this idea that we're very open to receiving, like you said, feedback and participation in the conversation. Um, you know, Decolta is about a collective voice for the industry, um, and and that is a pretty broad um, set of stakeholders, right? Mm -hmm. Everything from plan sponsors to advisors to asset managers, platforms uh, providers. It, the list goes on, and you know, we we currently have. A number of research topics underway. I, I don't want to preview them all right now because, um, well, you know, we, we like to get a little buzz when they are, are coming yeah, out. Yeah, you want to tease the audience. You get them, get them. Hey, check the website. Real estate's coming out. Hopefully, uh, we'll be seeing you soon, Jeff, and uh, and chatting about um, some updated trends on what's happening in the the private real estate space. Yeah. Well, Clint Sheridan, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you both back. Avi back, John back, of course, very soon. And that wraps up this episode of BRN Sunday. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news and lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more in all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, then visit our website. While we're not back 
again tomorrow. It's the Martin Luther King holiday, but we'll be back Tuesday with another great guest on BRN AM. Until then, I'm Jeff Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes.